This is Archive Atlanta, episode 100, Listener Q&A, volume 2. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lamos. Hey everyone, happiest of Fridays to you, and thank you for tuning into my 100th episode. On one hand, I can't believe I am here, and on the other hand, it feels like just yesterday I was recording episode one under a blanket in my daughter's spaceship tent. I have upgraded to a closet in the basement, but I am no longer covering myself with a blanket, so we are moving ahead here. Whether you got here at the beginning or this is your first episode, a podcast isn't much of a podcast without listeners. And while I would still produce this even if it was reaching one person, knowing that Atlanta stories have found their way to almost all 50 states and over two dozen countries, it's the greatest feeling. This project has brought me new friends, new organizations, I've got to see amazing building tours, I was a guest on an online TV show, I recorded on other podcasts, I worked on really cool projects, and it has led me to join the fight for historic preservation through Historic Atlanta. I have learned more than I thought was possible, and it's even more exciting that there is still so much more to learn and share. Even after 100 episodes, I've only made a small dent in Atlanta's history. This week, we're doing another Q&A. I tried this first back in episode 84. It's a great way to answer your small questions. And like last time, I've sorted them into general categories. So we have personal, process, and then Atlanta-related. Let's start with a question from Steve, who asked me what my day job is. I am a commercial property manager, so I have multi-story office buildings around Atlanta. Um, This is probably how I got into exploring a lot. So every few years, we move to a new building, just kind of the name of the game. Um, I started in Midtown, then I was in Buckhead for a few years, and now I am in Vinings, that very much inspired episode, I think it was episode 25, that I did on Vinings. Emily asked how I take such great photos. I'm very honored. I am not a professional photographer by any means, but I have learned a few things over the years. And I was running, the Instagram page existed even before the podcast, so I've been trying to take pictures of Atlanta for well over two years now. Um, I will say I don't use anything fancy. I have an iPhone, but Androids take even better photos. The first thing that you want to factor in is the weather. Um, Generally, a sunny day with a little bit of clouds is just going to come out the best. Not saying that I have not gone out in the pouring rain on a Thursday night to get a picture for Friday's episode, Um, but it just looks better. Sunnier pictures are the most popular. Second, upgrade your phone. Um, I am not a tech person. I don't like the latest fancy gadgets. And when I first started this, I had the most ancient iPhone known to man. It killed me to get a new phone, but truly the newest model out or the model right before that is going to take the best pictures. Third, use those editing tools. Um, I am the biggest fan of the adjustment tool, which allows you to bring things upright and level them, or you can even bring the left or the right sides out. My brain has a lot of OCD tendencies. I really like symmetry. I like things perfectly lined up. It always blows my mind. People that post photos that don't take the time to even at least level it horizontally, but 
I don't know, that's just my trick and what I use all the time. Um, and then the other tool that I use in the editing category is the brightening or the lightening tool. Um, a lot of times just pictures come out darker than you think they do, so lighten your photos. I got a question from another history podcast. Uh, theirs is called Deceptively Clever, and they asked, do you have another favorite historical city? Yes. In Georgia, I have two. I'm obsessed with a town called Washington, Georgia. Um, it was, I think probably was the first place outside of the metro area that I visited. I went for my, one of my best friend's bridal showers. It was not in Sherman's March to the Sea, so there is a ton of pre-1865 homes there, but also everyone is weirdly nice. So I went to this bridal shower, like I said, at someone's house, and then they do a tour of homes every year. So like the next year, maybe a few months later, I go to this tour of homes and the guy is like driving by Main Street. He's like, hey, Victoria, great to see you. And so for me, I had just moved to Atlanta and it was, it was very cliche Southern niceness. So I have this special place for this town, but it is a great place to visit. And like I said, normally in pre-COVID world, they do a tour of homes. I also love Savannah. Um, it's one of the only cities that I visited more than once. I think we've gone four or five times now. Um, I got engaged there last year and now we have a son in college nearby. So we plan to go to Savannah a lot more in 2021. It's just one of those places that I could walk just all day. I don't have to take a specific tour. I mean, I've done that, but I can walk the city. Normally we go for a run every time we go and there's a new place to see whenever we visit. Outside of the state of Georgia, I am a sucker for Boston. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's cliche, but I think it's that connection to the earliest part of the U.S.'s European history. Um, they have really amazing museums, really incredible historical sites, really good food, and it's in a great location. So you can leave Boston and drive to see a ton of other stuff. I actually have flown to Boston to drive to Maine. You can go to Rhode Island. You, know, you can see lots of things up there. Natalia asked me, what is your favorite Atlanta spot? This is tough. I feel like I needed a subcategory here to narrow this down, but I'm going to do my best. It's no secret. I love cemeteries. Um, I think Greenwood Cemetery is probably my favorite. I'm a huge fan, though, of Oakland and Westview. And what I tell people about Oakland is that the ground you're standing on has remained mostly unchanged since 1850. And that is not easily said in a city like Atlanta that changes every month. For me, a cemetery is the best place to first stand in an unchanged location and then also learn about people and stories of the city without having to travel so much. You're in a, in a confined area. I got a question from Ronnie that said, what's your favorite way you've seen a historic space be repurposed in Atlanta? I may get some hate mail for this, but I really love Pond City Market. I know there are criticisms about it, but strictly from a preservation standpoint, they did an incredible job. With my old company, we actually did a hard hat tour um, when they had first bought the building, and they kept almost every original detail possible. They honored its history. They placed some equipment and machinery throughout the property. Um, they've named their restaurants from history. And I did an entire episode about this. I think it was episode 72 the history of the land and the amusement park, but every time I pass it, I just enjoy it. And so, you know, the amusement park on the roof is supposed to honor the amusement park history. Uh, I think one of the bars is named after the radio station. Again, I just, I appreciate what they did to preserve this. 
I'm also a huge fan of school buildings turned into lofts. And we have this in Atlanta with Bass High School in Little Five Points, Girls High in Grand Park. I think it's called Roosevelt Lofts now. Uh, Home Park School, probably a whole bunch I'm forgetting. It's just a really unique way to use a building that is often not able to be repurposed again as a school. So when you're dealing with schools, there's accessibility issues and requirements. And so using it as a loft to me is like the next best thing. And I don't know what it is. The idea of a chalkboard in my living room is very appealing. Walt sent a question. He is one of the biggest supporters of the podcast. And he asked me, what sources do you use for the facts and stories you tell? How do you vet the veracity of these sources? This is a great question. In the beginning of this journey, I was limited to plain old Google. So if somebody had written an article, maybe there was a book, I was at the library a lot. Um, and then every once in a while, you could find a public research paper. Now I'm lucky to have access to newspaper archives and something called JSTOR, which is an academic journal and thesis paper website. I use a combination of Sanborn Fire Maps, um, Atlanta City Directories, and then mainly articles from the Constitution or the Atlanta Daily World. And I do have to keep in mind that this is still secondary sources. So even though a newspaper article is from 1892, when it's from the Constitution, it's through a white male lens. And the same with a research paper, you know, it's going to be from the lens of an author. I've had a friend suggest doing an episode about different kinds of research, especially how to do primary research. So this is something I have in the works and hopefully in the future I can have a kind of how-to research episode. In that same vein, Kathleen asked, where do you begin or how do you process to research your address or your home? And what's a good resource for old photos? This is a super common question and the answers really vary depending on how old your house is. So the first thing I will say is that your best bet is to visit the deeds and records room of your local county courthouse, whether it's DeKalb or Fulton, um, they all have one. Call them, uh, check out what their COVID protocol is, and then understand how to obtain the documents related to your house. This will get you the most accurate information, um, deeds. Sometimes you can find out your builder's name, what they built it with, plans, really exciting stuff. Now, if you want to do this from the comfort of your own home right now, your first question is whether your house was built before or after 1925. I say that because in that year, the city of Atlanta changes all of the street numbering. So your house, if it was built before 1925, it has an old street number and then it has your current street number. This is way easier said than done. First, because only the 1911 Sanborn maps are available to the public. And then second, many of Atlanta's neighborhoods did not become incorporated into the city until after that year. So for example, a place like Capitol View, it only appears on the 1911 map in a tiny three street section. It doesn't become part of Atlanta until the 20s. So there is another map which is not available to the public and and it's just really complicated. Um, then you have to play this fun guessing game where you're counting houses and trying to figure out, you know, which one is yours and what number it corresponds to. The city directories will list the names of the building businesses or the house's residents of the year you have them available. So if you do have your address, let's say you have your old address or you just have your new address, 
I love running that address through local newspaper archives. You can do this on newspapers.com. This will often lead you to stories about it being built. Sometimes I might talk about the builder or, or especially with apartments in Atlanta, it always talks about, you know, big apartment coming. You can find old photos or drawings. And at the very least, you will maybe find an obituary of someone that lived there. So you have some clues as to who lived in your home. And then to answer historical photos, I don't often post a lot of old photos, so I'm not, this is not going to be the best answer maybe, but I have found that the Atlanta History Center has digital archives that are great. The Robert Woodruff Library has really great digital archives. Even the New York Public Library has digital archives, so search digital archives. They have keyword searches, and you just have to play around with the keywords. Sometimes I just type in Atlanta and see what pops up, and then you can sort through those images to lead you to something else. So this leads me into a question from my friend Meg, who's just like, can you look up my old building? Um, I love trying to find people's homes or apartments. I cannot promise I will find anything. Sometimes I'm completely stumped, but a lot of times I'm able to find some really great stuff, even if it's the year it was built, which is often differs from the tax assessor um, who lived in the home. Uh, just recently, I helped some friends out. Their old fourth ward house was home to a Jewish man in the 1950s, I think 1953. And I sent her this, and she sends me a photo of a mezuzah that is on the um, door frame and it had been painted over like over the last 40 years. It was covered in paint. And she's like, oh my gosh, we have this and so many houses in our neighborhood had these on the door and didn't know why. She didn't know that Jewish Atlantans lived in that neighborhood in the 50s. So all this to say, I love doing this. If you have a house you'd like me to look up, send me a message. All right, let's shift into some specific Atlanta questions. Jenny asks, how did the CDC end up in Atlanta? I am hoping to do a specific CDC episode soon, but the short story involves malaria, World War II, and Coca-Cola. Sort of. The National Malaria Eradication Program launches in 1947. It's a federal program, and its goal was to eradicate malaria in the U.S. by 1951. It seems hard to believe, but in the 1930s, malaria was a huge problem in this country, and it was actually concentrated on 13 states in the southeast, Georgia obviously included. So they set up their national headquarters or something in Georgia um, to study this. Initially, this was called the National Communicable Disease Center, and they accepted a land donation gift of 15 acres from Emory University. And this deal was brokered by Robert Woodruff, who was president of Coca-Cola. It's not until 1970 that the organization changes its name to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC as we call it now. Like I said, though, lots of detail in between those lines uh, that can be shared, and so I am working on an episode to cover it. Natalie asked me what I thought about projects like the Chattahoochee Riverland. Um, if you don't know about this, it is an organization that's working to make the Chattahoochee River a connective corridor. So connecting communities that are alongside of it, making it accessible for everyone, and then hopefully making it clean and safe for people and animals and plants. Knowing this very little bit about the project, though, I love the idea. I'm very guilty of focusing my preservation efforts on physical 
buildings. And I think that ecological and environmental preservation is equally as important. And I need to do better about learning more about it. I mean, the meeting of the Chattahoochee with Peachtree Creek is where our earliest signs of human settlement are found in the area. And it was home to the largest Muscogee village, which in turn is the reason why Atlanta is even where it is. And I've mentioned this before in an episode, I can't remember, but Atlanta's only one of three U.S. cities not established on a navigable waterway. So it would be really amazing to see the Chattahoochee become this place that we can access and learn about and, you know, that it becomes connected or synonymous with Atlanta. The last question for today is kind of a heavy one. Um, Paul asked, what do you think Atlanta's future looks like? Well, we know that our population is growing. Uh, Projections tell us that there will be an extra 2.9 million people in the next 30 years. We have one of the highest levels of income inequality rates in the whole country, and our city tends to sell its soul in the form of tax breaks and rule bending for new corporations and new developers. And all of those issues are way above my pay grade. But I feel hopeful that some city departments and elected officials have started talking about this, how we got here. Uh, And this is where my comments come in, because I run a history podcast, and I advocate for everyone to learn about history and help preserve it. In order to know where we're going, I think we have to know where we've been. Starting with Grady's New South campaign, which was just after the Civil War, um, and then further solidified by Forward Atlanta, which was in 1925, Atlanta's relationship to the past has been to ignore the bad parts. And it reminds me very much of the Wizard of Oz scene where the man behind the curtain. And it's like we want to present to the world how amazing we are, how the city is so too busy to hate. It's so great. Um, But this lack of reckoning has and will continue to haunt us. And as crappy as 2020 has been, the best part about it is that everyone is actively looking to learn and talk about this stuff now and then figure out how we can be a better place. So there you have it, Q&A Volume 2 in the books. Thank you all for listening and being part of this 100-episode journey. If you can, leave a rating or a review. Um, If you missed this announcement, Archive Atlanta now has a voicemail number which is in the show notes, where I am collecting your Atlanta stories. So today I get to share my very first message. It's from Will and Lauren. Um, They're wonderful supporters of the podcast. And so take a listen to them. I hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week. Hi, Victoria. This is uh, Will and Lauren. We listen every week. So our Atlanta history is a more recent history, but it's the history that ties us together as a married couple. We would not have met had it not been for Atlanta United through mutual friends. But this phenomenon that has been our soccer team for the last three years has really brought together so many communities and so many different people from so many different diverse backgrounds. And it happened to bring my wife and I together. So that is our little history that really uh, hits home for us.